This podcast is brought to you by Fear Free, the initiative that takes the pet out of petrified and puts treat into treatment. Learn more at fearfreepets.com. This is the Fear Free podcast series. I'm your host, Steve Dale. Today, we're discussing feline osteoarthritis pain and the veterinary synergy of care with Dr. Marianne Vandeland and Amy Newfield, a certified veterinary technician with a specialty in emergency and critical care. Dr. Vandeland is a graduate of the University of Georgia's College of Veterinary Medicine. In addition to private practice experience, her career background includes teaching at various veterinary schools and colleges, technician schools, veterinary conferences, consulting on practice management issues, developing mentoring and coaching retreats for women practice owners, as well as working with the management teams at such corporations as Hills Pet Nutrition, IDEX Laboratories, Pet Health Network, and Novartis Animal Health U.S. Dr. Vandalind is nationally recognized as a leader in the field of veterinary communications. Indeed, she is for good reason. I know that. In 2008, she founded Vandalind and Associates to focus on all aspects of exam room communication excellence. Amy Newfield is currently employed with Blue Pearl Veterinary Partners as a project manager for training and team development. After working in general practice for many years, Amy found her passion in emergency medicine and went on to obtain her VTS in emergency and critical care. She has held several board positions in the Academy of Veterinary Emergency and Critical Care technicians and nurses, including president. Amy is well-published in over 15 subjects as an international speaker and has received numerous awards, including two Speaker of the Year awards. Fear Free would like to thank Zoetis Pet Care for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Vandalin and Amy Newfield. I am going to turn it over to you. Thank you so much, Steve, for having us. I really appreciate it. Marianne, so we think about osteoarthritis a lot for dogs, but what about cats? How common is it for cats to develop osteoarthritis? That's a great question, Amy. And I think one that's going to be of a lot of interest because osteoarthritis is the most common diagnosed joint disease in humans, but it's also the most common in pets. And one, act, one study actually showed that six out of 10 cats over the age of six are likely experiencing some damage or changes due to osteoarthritis. So it's really interesting. And I was reviewing some of the videos on how to do, like, exams and different things. And cats are so amazing in how they can move and do things. There's so many things that clients may actually miss. So they may not notice the changes. They may think the cat's hiding or doing different things. But it really does make a big difference. And so... There's checklists and things now that we can use that actually makes people more aware of what can happen and then better techniques for examination. So I think there's a lot of things that are going on in osteoarthritis in animals, and cats are really very important to detect. So do you have a, a story of an older arthritic cat or something that you've seen, Amy, where this is true? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it was my uh, first cat that I got as an adult. Her name was Maddie. Um, she came matted to the hospital, so not a very original name, but she was a little stray cat that nobody ever claimed, so I took her home. And as she got older, she developed diabetes, and she started having accidents probably around the age of 12 or so outside of the litter box. And at first, I thought, okay, it's just her diabetes. She's, uh, they're uncontrolled, but it was being controlled. And I was just so frustrated as why this cat all of a sudden started having accidents around the house. 
And it wasn't until I was downstairs cleaning her litter box and noticed her struggling to get in and out of the litter box that then clicked in my brain. This cat was having actual difficulty because she couldn't pick up her back leg. She had developed arthritis. And I think a lot of owners sometimes miss those signs and symptoms because we kind of just recognize that animals get older and we just think it's normal for them to, you know, maybe not jump up on the furniture as much or jump up on the countertop. But in this instance, it was glaringly obvious. She was clearly struggling to get in and out. And then when I addressed the osteoarthritis, it turned out, you know, that she was doing much better. I actually bought lower level litter boxes for her um, and adjusted some things in my house so she could still get up on chairs and that sort of thing. So for me, it was a very personal story where it was kind of this eye opening. I had not even considered osteoarthritis in a cat, even though, you know, we talk to owners all the time about dogs. So how about yourself, man? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I've had a couple of older cats where, you know, they've done different things. Like a couple of weeks ago, I had a kitty cat come in when I was doing relief work, and it was not feeling well, and it was having some constipation problems, and it had been hiding in the house and doing different things and avoiding. It had been in the day before for being upset to its stomach and constipated, and so they said, oh, it's coming in today, but it always gets mad. And so we started doing some of the fear-free techniques of, you know, making it calm and heated tables and putting the pheromones in the room and then I could actually watch the kitty move and I could ask the client some questions and it turned out she had just gotten a new kitten and it was really disturbing this older cat and it was playing with it and he was sore and uncomfortable so it really was an interesting thing when you get into these conversations we even use the checklist you can have so many different conversations but if I hadn't gone back and reevaluated why this cat was doing so many different things, the litter box, hiding, you know, not going up downstairs. It just changed the whole conversation around. You know, well, tell me about working with doctors, Amy. I mean, like, how do you help us doctors and the team? What do you think makes it different for some of these visits? I'm so glad you asked that question um, because I really, you know, this is why I love being a veterinary technician. Every single veterinary technician on the planet has been asked, why are you not a doctor? And the short answer of that is because I love to work with the animal patients and you do get to work with the animal patients more as a veterinary technician. So I think for us, we have a big responsibility in helping make sure that conversation happens between the client And the doctor. I mean, the big thing is, as a veterinary technician, we may have those interactions with clients. And I know right now it's occurring a lot out in parking lots um, because of our curbside in most of our hospitals or on the phone. But this is where we can have those conversations. And as they're sitting in their cars, this is, you know, they're bored, they're sitting in their car, they're waiting for their cat to come back. There's a wonderful osteoarthritis checklist from Zoetis. Have them fill that out while they're sitting in their car. It's really cute. There's these adorable animated videos on there. And it may make the clients kind of think about, oh, yeah, I didn't even think about the fact that she's not playing as much or that she's not jumping up on the furniture. And so that might be a way for us to kind of figure out from the client whether or not their cat is experiencing signs and symptoms of osteoarthritis. But it goes beyond the conversation that we have with the client. It's also about how we interact with that patient in the hospital. For cats, absolutely no scruffing. And I'm saying this with 20-plus years of veterinary medicine under my belt. I was taught in school to scruff. 
I would have told mm-hmm. you to scruff up until about 10 years ago. That was what we were taught and that's how we were trained. I'm really happy that fear-free initiatives have come out so that we can just stop scruffing. Uh, we actually induce fear and studies have shown that we cause the fear, we cause the anxiety, and we cause the aggression in a lot of our cat patients. And when we think about our older arthritic cat patients, I just think about what we're doing when we scruff, right? I'm, I always apologize to my cat patients now that I ever scruffed years ago. I thankfully don't do it now. But when you scruff and you pull up on that skin and you hurt the arthritis in their neck, no wonder they're reacting. And a lot of them do vocalize. Think about how many you've scruffed old kitty cat patients and they hiss at you or they growl at you immediately, probably because we're hurting them. As we have cats yeah. in radiology, this is another great way that we need to be careful with our cat patients. As we stretch out their kitty legs, right, to take films, if they're vocalizing, we need to make sure that we alert our veterinarian and say, hey, I really think he or she is painful. And so we have a big responsibility as technicians to kind of talk to our veterinarians and address the things that we see when we're handling our feline patients but also the conversations that we have in our with our clients as well. I agree with you, Amy, on everything you've talked about because I was taught just like you about scruffing and cat bags and all those things. But with some of these fear-free techniques that you can do um, and like watching those videos of Dr. LaSalle doing the osteoarthritis exams and doing different ways to manipulate the hindquarters and things, that is so helpful for working with these older cats and making the experience so much better. It was just amazing last week with Cleo. Even the team that I was working with was so amazed by keeping her comfortable and calm, what we could do with that gentle approach, you know, and and controlling how we move. So it's really an exciting thing. And I do think using that checklist is key because I think they can see things. I mean, they don't recognize uh, pet owners don't always recognize those signs of an, a pet being sick. And cats are so mysterious. They have all those subtle signs of sickness or and they hide, but they also love to sleep and rest and be comfortable. And we think that's normal for a cat. But So we miss some of those changes that could be there. They'll go for walks. They don't run for their leash. They don't jump up in and out of cars. They do jump on and off beds. And they do think that. So it's watching for those things because clients will say, oh, he's slowing down or it's just his age or he doesn't like to run as much or doesn't go upstairs as much. But, you know, that hiding and those changes in behavior, they aren't normal. And they're really asking for what are some things that we can actually do, you know? So I think there's some big things that we can do here with those products and helping pets and cats particularly be more comfortable. Awesome thoughts. What about some of the signs? You talked about some of the signs that clients are missing, but what do you think maybe our veterinary colleagues are missing in their exams or just, you know, even communicating with clients? I think that's the the interesting thing is if the cat is fearful and not doing some things that it could be doing, you know, with the things we have now in place like for telemedicine, watching the cat at home in their normal environment or having people bring in videos, You can see things, but by using that checklist, if doctors would use it together, they can see the change in an animal climbing stairs and bunny hopping one way or coming down and being hesitant to move, or you can watch them in the exam room and see that they're 
slower at doing things so they don't like to play or they're changing their body to one side. So I think sometimes what we miss is having that very good conversation because, again, clients are seeing changes. They're just deciding that those changes aren't necessarily a problem. But if they could see the change on the other side that their cat was doing with these animated figures in that checklist, now my cat does do that. And because of that, we can actually do a better exam of the osteoarthritis and maybe some radiographs. And then we start some medication and the animal is back to its old self, running, playing, jumping up in the windows. I think we as veterinarians and, and owners will feel like they're more in partnership with each other. So what do you think about as a veterinary technician that we can do that actually helps improve the quality of life? Uh, I'm glad you asked that. So I think this is all about that human-animal bond, right? I think that's why we all went into veterinary medicine, because we love animals, and we want to get them to back to their pet parents, and we want them being at the best version of themselves. And I think as our cats get older, in particular, people just kind of go, oh, he's getting old. But old is not an excuse. I once had a 13-year-old dog that actually still did agility, right? And she only had three legs. And I've always appreciated, you know, keeping them as young as possible. And I think in our cats, we just kind of look at the cat and go, oh, she doesn't want to sleep on my lap anymore. And that's why she's curled up in that bed on the floor. When reality, that's breaking that human-animal bond. That cat can't get up on the couch. And the owner doesn't recognize that. She, he or she thinks that that cat is just being aloof because they're now 12, 13, or 14 years old. But it's actually a medical thing. When we can get cats back to their selves or feeling a lot better and more interactive with their owners, that's what owners love. You know, as cats get older, owners just kind of accept, oh, he doesn't like to play anymore. Or she's not that interactive with me anymore. But that's because of a mobility issue. It's because they're sore and arthritic. So it really is about, you know, making sure that we keep that human-animal bond for as long as possible, right? And I think for mm -hmm. us in, in hospitals, it's also about reducing fear. I mean, again, we've talked about not scruffing and, uh, you know, definitely if for any of you non-believers, I'm telling you, if you had asked me 10 years ago, I would have said, that's crazy. We have to scruff all the cats in the entire world. That's the only way to restrain them. And I was so wrong. I'm telling you right now, I was wrong, wrong, and even more wrong. Um, it really is about reducing fear. Cats are smart. They come into the hospital and they know that terrible things are going to happen. I often joke and say, Maybe we can pull a fast one on a golden retriever or a Labrador retriever because they'll come in and they'll be like, if there's a cookie involved, I am the happiest dog ever. But there's very Amen. few cats we can pull a fast <laughs> one on, right? So our cats are smart and they know this is a scary place. So giving them a towel on a shiny metal surface so that they feel more comfortable. Use those low-level litter boxes so we don't have our poor arthritic 17-year-old cat trying to hike itself up into a litter box. Nice, comfy beds. I know just not that long ago, I went into the hospital for a shift, and there was this old cat, and on it was sitting on just stainless steel in a cage, and there on the other side of the corner of the cage was a tiny towel as if the, the staff thought that cat was just going to be comfortable on a tiny towel. Nope. Instead, I went ahead and I got, I feel a way down some blankets and I made a beautiful kitty bed for it. And I even got a cardboard box and it was the happiest older cat ever. And then we have responsibility for treating pain, right? So 
if we're in radiology, we're stretching out the legs of an old kitty cat and we notice that it's uncomfortable, I think that's the big thing. We've all taken an oath to try to have as little pain in our veterinary patients as possible. And especially as veterinary technicians, we are their voice, right? They can't speak. So we're the ones who have to say, have you noticed that your cat isn't jumping up as much? Yeah, I did notice that. Are they playing as much as they used to? No, but it's because she's old. Well, how are they going up and down the stairs? You know, I've noticed them having problems. Okay, let's ease some of that pain. You know, older animals, it's not normal for them to experience pain. And, you know, I think we have this huge relationship with these owners to be able to develop that and then talk to the veterinarian about it. What does it mean for you, Marianne? How, how do we give these pets a better quality of life? What does this look like for you? Well, I think that's a great question. You know, ever since I've been interested in veterinary medicine, which was when I was really young, I've always thought that, you know, animals make people healthier. And people and animals just make that, that human-animal bond is just so very, very important. But I think it's true that because animals, especially like kitties, I think are just smarter than us sometimes, <laughs> and we haven't learned the best way to see them in their natural habitat when they come to the hospital sometimes because we've learned bad techniques like the scrubbing instead of the fear-free tactics. So becoming more curious and knowing how we can look for these signs. So by going through the, the checklist or the questions that are on there, we can look for those signs of going up and down the steps. You know, I remember even in my old cat that I had, I missed the signs of her uncomfortable because she was hesitant to jump down from things. Now, looking back, I can see so many things that, you know, could have made a difference in the quality of her last years, and that, that would have been important, very important to me, and I think it's very important to our clients. I also think that you know, learning how to do these exams and follow some things so that the feline exams with Dr. LaSalle, reviewing that with some of your team members so that we can actually learn techniques or try things, that can be something that's very, very valuable. But looking for these subtle signs when the animals come in, looking for how they react when they're in their little condos or cages in the hospital can be important, making those fear freak techniques in the hospital, making sure we're telling people that hiding is not necessarily a normal thing. It could be a fear reaction. It could be a disease. It could actually be pain. And that pain doesn't have to be the way it is anymore. We have things that we can do for pain. We can also decrease fear. And we have ways that we can examine this and partner with clients to make those things happen. And I really think the most important thing that we can do is we can really increase this bond that people have with their pets. And who knows now with this COVID and all the things that are going on, it's more important than ever for people because they're at home and they're watching their pets. And we can decrease the fear and increase the quality of life. But I tell you, whenever I have a cat owner that comes to me and she says, I don't know, but something's wrong, I listen. Because that cat that we saw last week that I saw a couple of weeks ago, Cleo, that was not doing right and they thought maybe it was kidney, maybe it was something else. Once we discovered that it was the little kitten and that she was having some arthritis changes and we could add another litter box so she could go to a litter box that was different than the kitten, it made all the difference in that cat's life when we added a little bit of pain medication, and it was like a whole new world. And so to me, it's, that's what it's all about, making that difference, working with technicians like you, 
And that's what makes the difference. That's awesome stuff. And I really enjoy talking about this because I think often the focus is on dogs. And so for us that have cats, this is a a fantastic discussion. I know you've talked about it a little bit already, but what else do our veterinary colleagues need to do? What else um, are kind of a call to action to help these feline patients suffering from osteoarthritis? I really think, thank you for bringing that up. I think that it's very, very important that we increase the awareness of this, that we increase the awareness that, you know, old is not a disease and we should be looking out for osteoarthritis. It's that common. Like we talked about at the very beginning, six out of 10 cats in one study. That's a lot if you're seeing cats over six years of age. And I think we have choices in pain management and we have better things that we can do to help them organize their home environment for movement and doing some of the things that we've talked about today. We can also help them get ready for veterinary visits so that it's less stressful and we have better options to give them when they come into the hospital. And with those changes, we can expand the length of their life as well as the quality of their life. So just by doing some simple things like that, putting the checklist into place so people can understand, reviewing how to do these orthopedic exams from Dr. LaSalle's felineoaexams.com. Those are all things that we increase that awareness can make a huge difference in the cat population. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking to me about feline osteoarthritis. It's been wonderful as always. It's It's always a pleasure, Amy. Thanks so much, Steve. Thank you so much, Steve, for having us. Dr. Vandalind and Amy Newfield, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today and to Zoetis for sponsoring this podcast. This information will be of great value to veterinarians, veterinary professionals, and their patients and clients. Hey, if you're already registered for Fear Free, be sure to keep up with all the Fear Free happenings, access the new toolbox items, and find the additional courses at fearfreepets.com. And of course, if you're not registered, find everything you need to get started at fearfreepets.com. If you're a member interested in pursuing practice certification, get more details at the same site under the Veterinary About section. And if you're a pet owner who just stumbled upon this podcast, welcome and learn more about the resources we have for you at fearfreehappyhomes.com. This podcast is sponsored by Zoetis Pet Care.